Welcome to Better by Great Place to Work, the global authority on workplace culture. I'm your host, Rula Amiri, Content Director at Great Place to Work. On this episode, we speak with Brian Doubles, President and CEO at Synchrony. Brian Doubles, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So I saw you went to Michigan State. I did. You're a Spartan. I am. Okay. I grew up across the border in Ohio. Oh, you did? Bowling Green. Nice. And as a Wolverine fan. Oh, no. So, yeah. I'm not sure how this conversation's going to go. Well, can, can I tell you a story? <laughs> Please do. I grew up a Wolverine fan. And, you did? What happened? And I was, I still am a Wolverine fan. I actually root for both teams. I'm very, that's very rare. That's unheard as you know. of. As you know, I love the Fab Five growing up as a kid, yeah. Chris Weber, And so I was, I'm actually interested growing up in Ohio, how you were not a Buckeyes fan. Right. That's, That's a great even question. More interesting. It's an anomaly. Right. But you know, when you're on the border, for anyone who knows where Bowling Green is, it is just south of Toledo. And yeah. Toledo is hourish from, yeah. you know, Ann Arbor. Um, so my parents went to Ann Arbor. Okay. Yeah, went to Michigan. So they met there for their graduate degrees. Um, they were professors and got jobs at BGSU, Bowling Green State University. Okay. So that's how we ended up there. But we'd all growing up, we'd always go up to Ann Arbor. All right. So you root for you root for U of M when they play the Buckeyes. Yes, and it's you're taking a risk. You're taking a risk. <laughs> you're taking a risk. Yes. But I root for U of M too. Except when they play Michigan State. That's the only game where I side with the Spartans a little bit. And the only game I've ever been to in person uh, in the big house was um, Michigan State, Michigan. Yeah. Who won? Michigan State. They did? They did. Oh. Yeah. I'm loving this. Is like, we're off to a great start. <laughs> we're off to a great start. We are. We are. Um, well, I suppose we should talk about maybe something other than sports. So as a CEO, I'm sure you are familiar with the term quiet quitting on your radar. We've all heard of it. We've been talking about it. Depends how you define it as great work ba- work-life balance or doing the minimum. I'm kind of, you know, checking out. Either way, it highlights the fact that employees don't feel, many employees don't feel that they're cared for or if they are, they love their job, but they are feeling they're getting burnout, right. um, that they can talk to their managers about, you know, workload. But this isn't a new issue. You know, disengaged workers, they've been in the workforce. So I'm curious to hear why you think quiet quitting is trending now. Well, I I, I think you said it. I think we've always had disengaged workers. Mm -hmm. I think in the past, leaders and managers had a better sense for who was engaged and who wasn't because they saw them more. They saw them in the hallways. They saw them working. I think quiet quitting, what's become more challenging is is just knowing who's engaged, right? Knowing who's disengaged, you know, who's maybe just putting in the minimum and, and where are they? And, you know, part of what we're doing at Synchrony is we're, we're really trying to re-engineer how we think about leadership. Leadership used to be about managing a team and managing actually time in office. I mean, how many, how many times do you see like FaceTime and you'd, you'd get into mm-hmm. uh, a discussion around talent and you'd say, this person's a really hard worker. And that was largely based on how much time they spent in the office. Yep. They showed up every day. And they they showed up every desk. day. And, right. and, and that doesn't work anymore. And that makes some leaders uncomfortable. 
But the new leadership model has to be measuring outcomes, has to be measuring outcomes. And that takes, that takes a different skill set, right? Not, not how long are they working, but what are they actually delivering for the company? Right. And I think if you're, if you're leading that way, you'll know which employees are engaged and which aren't, right? You don't have to rely on time in the office, right? That's kind of, that's so antiquated. But we, we know that we have managers and leaders today who still are wired that way. And it takes a different leadership style, but it's also a cultural change, I think, that we've got we've to drive through the organization because you, it, it's, on, it's on the companies to drive that engagement, right, to make mm-hmm. the employee want to show up, to keep them engaged. And that can be, that can be hard. It's mm-hmm. a big challenge that we're all dealing with, but it's absolutely critical. If you, you know, we've, we've made the decision to allow all of our employees to work however they want. You can come in part-time, you can stay at home. That's a big message. We're saying we, tr- we trust you. We trust you to be engaged and to you know, deliver for us and the company. And, and they have been. You know, it's working. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's working. But you know, I, I still worry about you know, how do we keep that sustainability, right? right? How do we keep the employees engaged at the same level that they've been the past three years? Prior to COVID, were you remote at all? Was that an option for synchrony employees? On an exception basis. So you, you could be remote. We had, we had some roles that were 100% remote, but for the most part, we were anchored uh, to one of our sites. And you know, what we saw as we entered the pandemic is that you know, we were 100% remote and we were executing really well as a company. You know, we, were, we were supporting our partners, customers. I don't know about better, but we didn't see any dip just in performance. No change. No dip in performance. You know, we were just kind of firing on all cylinders. And that really prompted me to take a step back and say, okay, it, this is working. One, I would have never guessed in a million years it was going to work. But I said, wow, it's working. And employees seemed happier, more balanced, more engaged. And, and I said, okay, this, this is, we're never going to go back to the way things were. That's clear. I don't know how far we're going to commit to this flexibility, but we're never going to go back. And we did, we did a bunch of pulse surveys of our employee base. And then in September of 2020, we said, look, we're, we're anchored in flexibility from now on. And we declared at that point that you can work from home, you can come into the office, you can do a combination of both. And the employee response was, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's basically we're saying, we, we trust you. We, we've delivered through the pandemic, the business hasn't suffered. We had two of our most profitable years, and we said, you know, this can work. This mm-hmm. can work. And employees can, can manage that work-life integration better than they have under the old model. Right. And that's something that we wanted to support. So it doesn't sound like you needed any persuading as a CEO to make the flexibility model, you know, permanent. You saw for yourself or did it take some persuading? I, because the, there are many CEOs who are saying, you know, the opposite of what you're saying, return right. to the office. Right. I saw it for myself personally. So I, I, have, I have two young girls, 10 11, and I saw how I was able to manage my own work-life balance better than I ever had in my career. Give me some examples. Well, in, in, my, in my role, I never, I never made it home for dinner on a weeknight. And then during the pandemic, I was home for every dinner 
during the pandemic. I never missed one because we were all home. We were all quarantined at home. And that was really nice. That was really nice. Mm-hmm. You know, occasionally I could pop out, you know, between calls and get the kids off the bus. You know, the look never of shock on their that. face. Yeah. I never did that. Is that dad? Yeah, they're like, oh, my God, is that dad? What's wrong? Is everything okay? Like, what are you doing here? Uh, you know, that was really nice. And I said, hey, if I'm, you know, if I'm experiencing that, then I can only imagine how the rest of our 17,000 employees are experiencing the same thing. I said, wow, this is, there's something to this. I was still as committed and engaged and as I've ever been. I was working just as hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were delivering as a company, but I said, wow, I've got, I've, I've, I've reclaimed some of the stuff that I've been missing in the first part of their lives, and that was really nice. And I said, wow, I, wanna, I want to give that to all of our employees, and, uh, and I saw how effective it could be. Because you experienced it just I, like I did it myself. anyone else, right? Yeah. And what is your work-life balance now? Are you still home primarily? Are you back and forth to the office? Does so it, still, is it flexible? It's, fle- it's flexible. I'm, I'm still figuring it out for myself, to be honest. So yeah. I, I spent a couple days uh, in the office. I spent a couple days at home, and it's working. You know, what I'm, what I'm trying to do, and I think we're all trying to figure out our own rhythm if, if I have in-person meetings, I want to come into the office and have those. If I'm working on something collaborative, then I want to be in the office for that. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking at a demo of a new product, I'm going to come in for that. If, if I'm reading our annual report, I can do that at home. Right? If I'm doing one-on-ones or if I have a customer, meet, customer meeting and they're remote, then I'll do that from home. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to be a little more intentional about my calendar and pick a day and say, okay, this is a virtual day. Because the worst thing that I experienced when we were just coming back into the office, even on a part-time basis, was when I come into the office and I would have video calls all day. I was like, okay, I came all the way in. And you're literally just in a room all day. And I'm doing the same thing that I would do at home. And it actually bothered me even more to be in the office doing that because I could hear people in the hallways and I wanted to go engage with them, but I'm back-to-back video calls all day. I said, this is not great. So I, you know, I look at my calendar every day. I said, okay, this is mostly, this could be in-person, an in-person mm-hmm. day. Then I go and I really over-index on in-person meetings. I say, okay, this is, this is more of a remote day. I might as well do that from home and save myself the hour and a half commute. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I'm still figuring it out. And what we're doing as a leadership team is we're, we're anchoring around a couple days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, where we're, we're going to try and be a little more intentional about being in the office so that we can work together. You know, we're, right now we're working on our strategic plan, mm-hmm. and that's very collaborative. And it's just a much better meeting to do that in person. Uh, but there's some things that are better virtually, and you just do those from home. And it sounds like your experience in the office when you go in is better. Because before, when you were in, yeah, you were just in meetings and kind of locked in rooms, so to speak, and people are milling about. Right. So when you go in now, you're actually collaborating, you're engaging with your employees, with your team members, yeah. because that's the goal. That's the intention of going in. Yeah, absolutely. It's very intentional. So I go in, you know, and I'll, I'll work with my assistant and say, oh, I got a free hour here. Let's, let's do an in-person roundtable with employees because I have the time and I'm here. And if they're here, let's just let's get together. And then what, what I also... I didn't realize I missed it as much, just the impromptu hallway conversations. You know, I know that gets talked about a lot, but I never, when we were 100% remote, I didn't feel like I missed it. 
And then I went back and I was like, oh, wow, that was really nice. Like, I got to connect with five or 10 employees just walking around, walking between buildings or walking to my next meeting or whatever it was. And that was, uh, it was pretty impactful. And I think other employees, as they start to come back, even the ones that said, hey, I want to be 100% remote, they're coming back now, maybe it's just one day a week voluntarily. We're not asking them to come back. Mm -hmm. We're not forcing it or requiring it, but they're coming back and saying, wow, I had a great experience. I'm going to come back next week. And they start to talk to their teams and their colleagues. And so what's great is that the, the hybrid thing is happening organically. We're not, there's no mandates. There's no policies. We're not saying you got to come in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and every other Friday. We're just saying, come in when it makes sense. Mm -hmm. If you have something to work on, that's going to be a better in-person meeting, collaborative with your team, come on in, leverage right. one of our hubs. But if you look at your calendar and it's sitting on Microsoft Teams calls all day, do it from home. No problem. No problem. What percentage are hybrid, remote, or in the office? Or is there any percentage who do come in five days a week? There's, there's a small percentage that come in uh, regularly. Mm -hmm. I would tell you we have statistics on that, but they're not reliable because what we've seen is that even the employees that said, I want to be 100% remote, are changing. They're coming in They're for coming the one in. a day. Maybe water it's once cooler, a week. Chit -chat. And and so that's changing quite a bit. Yeah. Everyone so Stanford, Connecticut's our headquarters. Every one of our employees, a hundred percent, have come in at least one day. How many employees is that? Uh, it's about six six hundred. And we've had employees come to us and say, Hey look, I, I elected to be a hundred percent remote, but you know, can I come in a couple days and just try it? And we, we have plenty of space for people. So, so it's, uh, I would say the momentum's building. And what's great is it's just happening organically. organically. People are self-selecting to come in and say, hey, I want to meet with my team or I have this project I'm working on and it makes more sense to get in a conference room together versus doing it over, over video. You mentioned a few times, you know, we trust our employees. They can choose when they want to work, how they want to work, where they want to work. So does that mean that CEOs who are mandating in office, do you feel like there's a percentage, the impetus behind that is that they don't trust their employees? I, I can't speak for other CEOs, but what I, what I would say is that regardless of the intent of the CEO when they mandate coming back to the office, I do think employees read that as a lack of trust. And I've had, you know, we, we, when I interview candidates from other companies, they really anchor in our flexibility model. It's the first, second, and third question. Like, is this real? Are you really, are you going to change this in two or three months? Mm -hmm. And what, what they tell me is there, there hasn't been a good rationale as to why I have to come back in. Business was performing well through the pandemic. We, work got done. Customers were happy. Employee satisfaction was up. So, so why? Why is it not just up to me if I'm delivering and I'm delivering the outcome? So back to where I started, if you're, if you're measuring the right thing, which is the outcome and not hours in the office, does it, the really, does it really matter? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So a growing number of companies are limiting the college degree um, to widen the talent pool. And I know Synchrony has hired employees without degrees. Why should other leaders look beyond degrees, and what does that do for the company, for the culture, and for your performance? Yeah, so we eliminated the college degree requirement for about 90% of our roles, so almost all of our roles, and, uh, and it's been great. And like, when did that happen? 
Uh, about a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. And it's really open one, as you said, the applicant pool for jobs, but, but it also, I think sends a big message that, that I will always take a bet on somebody who is passionate about the company, has the right culture values, has, has, you know, can be successful in an organization and we can teach them the rest. I'll take that individual over somebody who, you know, just has a, has a great resume, looks good on paper, but I, I can't answer the other questions. And, and we have, we've had a lot What of are those other questions? Culture, value, passion for the company, all of those things. If I can, if I can get that, that's going to be a successful employee. I know that versus somebody that just has the degree, but I don't know about the other pieces. Mm-hmm. And we've taken some big bets on, on people in our company that didn't have a college degree, but had all the other traits. And they've been very successful. And so I'll always take a bet on, on those individuals. You know, the other thing, we joined the 110 Coalition, and we've been able just since then, because of the college degree uh, requirement when we lifted it, we've hired 1,000 black employees without college degrees into our company, which is something we're really proud of. And so I think more and more the way I think about it, we can give employees the skills that they need to be successful and to grow their careers. You know, we do tuition reimbursement. We do $9,000 a year in, in skills reimbursement. I think that's the model going forward. It's not to say that, we, I mean, we hire a ton of people who have four-year degrees as well, but I think you have to be open to both. You have to be open to change. Open to change, right? Right. And you have to experiment. You have to experiment. I mean, this, this to me wasn't taking a big risk, but it's been successful so far. So if someone's listening and says, okay, Brian, that sounds that sounds good, but how do I learn those intangibles, the culture, they're a fit, they're passionate, without having a resume to go with it? So in other words, where do you start? So you have a resume, and how do you learn those intangibles if something doesn't get you in the door to begin with? Yeah, well, you, you got to take a chance and bring people in the door, and, and you got to assess quickly for the traits that really matter, right? So, so in person, it doesn't even have to be in person. Okay. I think we have to we have to we have to find a way to make the virtual thing work. We hired mm-hmm. a ton of people, even at very senior levels in the company, uh, virtually, and so we have to be able to do that. It's a little bit harder to assess, mm-hmm. but. If we're but anchored, it can be done. It can be done. If we're anchored in flexibility, we have some fantastic hires, people that we brought in during the pandemic that I didn't meet until six months ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just had a senior leadership meeting back in May, and the number of senior executives in our company that I met for the first time was pretty astounding. You know, people coming up to me like, oh, I, I came on back in September of 2020 or December of 2020, and you know, I had seen them on video, but we had never met face to face. I think that's that's the new model. You know, we're challenging all of those things. Even we used to have a belief that certain jobs were headquarter jobs. Oh, that's a headquarter job. Well, we just we just did it for two years, and they weren't at headquarters. My job, arguably, is a headquarter job. For two years, I wasn't at headquarters. <laughs> And so I think just just like blowing up some of these old ways of thinking mm-hmm. uh, to adapt to how we're operating now, and uh, the college degree is one of them. Switching gears a bit, I have a few questions to help our listeners get to know you a little bit more. What's the best piece of career advice you go back and give your younger self? Oh, 
Uh, listen more. When I, when I was early in my career, I, I felt like with the benefit of hindsight now, I was, I was always waiting to talk. I was always preparing what I was going to say and not doing a good enough job listening. And that's something that I've, I've really tried to hone over the last, you know, five, ten years. And we can all benefit from that advice. Right. What is a favorite book or podcast that your peers should check out? You know, I love Bob Iger's book, Ride of Lifetime. Uh, I really enjoyed it. A lot of relevant lessons in there about just strategy and how to adapt and evolve a, a you know, historic company like Disney. And uh, we had Bob speak at our, our leadership meeting. He's fantastic and just a lot of great advice in there. Any podcasts? Can I plug yours? Absolutely. <laughs> the Better Podcast from Great Place to Work. There you go. Um, who's the most important person you talk with every day that can be personally or professionally or both? Uh, my wife. I, I think when I get, when I get home, I, I, I need to find a way to separate a little bit of whatever that day encompassed mm-hmm. and, and just kind of get grounded and coming home. And she, you know, she helps me do that. It's just, it's just nice to disconnect and hear about the carpool with the kids on the I'm way sure, to swim yeah. practice. You said, how old are your daughters? 10 and 11. Okay. Are Soon those twins? 10. Are they too young? Uh, they're considered I, a tween. I don't know. They're I'm sure starting, they keep you grounded. <laughs> they're starting to operate like teens, there which is which is terrifying, uh, which is terrifying. But that's it's just a nice way to disconnect and get grounded at the end of the day and just talk about, you know, what happened at dance, practice, or swim, or whatever, whatever. Life. Just life. Just life. And, and disconnect a little bit. So yeah. definitely my wife. Mental health and well-being took such a prominent role during the pandemic. So I'm curious, what's the one way um, you create a sense of well-being for yourself? Mm. Exercise helps. Mm-hmm. Exercise helps. Uh, so I definitely try to, you know, two to three times a week, get in some exercise. The other thing that I try to do is I, I hate to get stuck in a rut. I have to remind myself every day that life is short and to try and do something that's unplanned or unexpected. Could just be, you know, going, going for a walk with my wife and the kids and the dog, and, but go to a place we haven't gone before. And so I challenge myself to do that. I'm not always great at it. You know, mm-hmm. it's easy to get stuck in a rut. And uh, I just, I try to, you know, I, I just like to try new things and, and experiment a little bit and pu- kind of push out of my comfort zone. Switch out of the, the day-to-day routine. Yeah. I just read recently that's rewiring our brain. That's good that we yeah. don't follow the same routine. Right. So take a different block or two to your house, try a different coffee shop, yeah. those kinds of things P- Part of this matter. Part of this came from out of the pandemic is every mm-hmm. day felt exactly the same. Yeah. Woke up, went into my home office, 10 to 12 hours, back-to-back Zoom calls, Microsoft Teams calls, and then, and then you have dinner, you talk to the kids, watch a TV show, and go to bed. And I was like, oh, it's so day in and day out. repetitive. I know. And you'd lose track of time and space and, and weeks, months would pass. And so, you know, it, it started after about a year of that, we started to try and mix it up. Like, let's just go do something different. Let me, I'm going to go take this call outside. I'm going to just, you know, just right, to get yeah, a little something. bit of, just to get a little bit of variety. Actually going back to an audio call. 
I mean, how novel is that? Like without video. Right. I mean, it was, that was groundbreaking for me because it sounds so silly, but it was a game changer because I know if I was talking to my CFO or the CHRO, I know what they look like. I, I don't need to see them on video. I, I, I've worked with them for a decade. You know, yeah. I, I, so let's just, you know, then I can walk around my house. I can walk outside. I can, you know, see what's going on. Right. It's such a simple thing, but it was a big, I didn't feel like I was anchored or chained to my, my video camera. Right. And your screen. And your screen. Right. Yes. And so that was, and it sounds so simple, but it was just mixing it up was, was huge for me. Have you and your family discovered new things to do in town because you had to discover new places? We, we, we try to create, yeah, we try and create our own activities. We did a, uh, this was when, you know, in the middle of the quarantine, we did a, we did a field day, a family field day, because they, their field day was canceled, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, home from school. So we created some activities in the back, backyard, three-legged race, all the stuff that they do, water balloon stuff, and we kind of oh, did that, yeah. But you have to, you have to put some thought into it, because right. if, if you don't, if you're not intentional about it, and it, won't, it won't happen. Right. Things don't change if you're not intentional. Every That's day right. will be the same. That's right. So I've tried to carry some of that through now that we're back to hybrid, like still pushing myself to just do something different. Right. And yeah. think differently. And think differently. Right. What's the biggest challenge you've had to overcome in your work career? You know, I think, I think I'm dealing with it right now. I think, I think we're in the middle just of it. I was going to say that. Yeah. I think we're in the middle of the biggest challenge that we'll ever see, which is figuring out how all of this works going forward, the, the new way of working, the, the flexible hybrid approach. How do you do that? And how do you do that and, and protect and grow the culture? Uh, how do you keep the level of engagement high? How do you keep the level of business performance high? So I think we're, I think we're in maybe the second inning of the biggest challenge that we're all going to face. How are you maintaining culture with a dispersed workforce? So a big part of our culture is is caring and trust for our employees, and I think we're anchored in trust. That is that's a really big deal for me, and I think it's so important to our culture. And I think we've done that. I think a, a big part of who we are is we're also a very inclusive culture. And one of the things that I I think a lot about, and we're not there yet, is is how do you how do you make the employee who's chosen to work remote 100 percent of the time feel included, included in the meetings, in the conversations? How do you give them the ability to contribute in the same way that they would if they were in the room? Mm-hmm. So we've, we've told employees that we're anchored in flexibility. That's step one. Step two is figuring out how to make that a reality. How do you make sure that that individual that's working remotely has exactly the same career opportunities that everybody else in the company has? Mm-hmm. And some of this is going to rely on technology. Yeah, that's challenging. Which it's challenging. Yeah. It's not there yet. We all know that, you know, you have a meeting with, you know, six people in a conference room and two on video. The meeting's kind of happening in the conference room and the technology isn't really there to allow those individuals to contribute at the same level they would if they're in the room. So you have to you have to run the meeting different. You have to solicit their input. And that it all that sounds easy, but you fall back into old habits. And I've seen it where even with our leadership team, because we have, we have a handful of remote employees, they, I can see it on their face. 
Like, mm-hmm. oh, you guys are having you guys are having the meeting. Right. You're talking. You're talking. I'm here. You're laughing and enjoying each other's company and you're you're really having the meeting without us. Right. And so we haven't solved that yet. We yeah. haven't solved that yet. I don't uh, I know there's a lot of there's some very innovative technologies with virtual reality and other things that are being developed that mm-hmm. I think will give us the ability to do that. But it also just takes a much more intentional approach to how you run a meeting so that you're getting that engagement. Because we started by talking about quiet quitting. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if you're dialing into video call after video call and everybody else is in the room, that can be very demotivating. Exactly. I think the takeaway today for me is intention. Everything you're doing is thoughtful and you're making changes with intention. And it sounds like that's the future of work. We think so. Brian, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Better. You can stream this and previous episodes wherever podcasts are available.